Thursday morning and the first episode of the second iteration of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. I'm your host, Brad Klein. Very, very happy to be with you and very, uh, let's say, nervous, honored, maybe the best way to say it, to take over the reins for Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky, the founding fathers of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Lots to get to here. It's recruitment season for Syracuse Hoops. They need a center, and that pursuit took a big hit a couple days ago. That happened after the last episode. We're going to fill you in and tell you what's next for Syracuse basketball. Also, a lot of people talking about Bayheim's retirement. Hey, he's 77 years ancient. It's time to go, right? He insists he's going to stay. Jay Wright announces his retirement on Wednesday night. What does that mean for Jim Beheim? And NIL talk is always important in 2022. That is the common denominator of all things college sports. And Syracuse has one key shortcoming. All that and more on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Let's go. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's address the elephants in the room. My name is not Tim Leonard. It's not Tyler Rocky. I'm Brad Klein, one of the two new hosts of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. My partner, Matt Bonaparte, is going to be joining us in May. But until then, daily episodes with you and me. I'm stoked to do it. And let me just give you the rundown here. I feel like right now, especially in the NFL, if we have any NFL fans here, the big kick is coaching trees. Okay, well, who was an assistant under Sean McVay? Who was the assistant under Bill Belichick? What is their coaching tree? Well, if you're a fan of what Tim and Tyler have done the past nearly two years, rest assured, you're in good hands. We come from the same tree as Tim and Tyler. We were, uh, me me and Bones, that is, just a couple of years behind both of them at Syracuse. We worked under them. We were mentored by them. And we've been learning so much from listening from afar. And now we get a chance to take over and try our hand, throw our hat in the ring. The Locked On Syracuse podcast, your team every day. And we start now with pretty much where Tim left off. The last episode came on April 8th and Tim did it alone. And the first topic was Quincy Ballard. Now, Quincy Ballard, a Syracuse native, Center for Florida State last year, you might remember him, played 13 minutes against the Orange last year. That's really the the biggest impact he had on a single game. Didn't play much. One point per game, one rebound a game, just over. Bench player for Florida State, hit the portal. And after Frank Anselm entered the portal for Syracuse, Ballard made a lot of sense. Okay, Syracuse needs a backup center. Ballard is six foot ten, six foot eleven. Yeah, bring him in. Why not? Didn't happen. Ballard commits to Wichita State, likely for a starting role, and that's something that Syracuse just can't offer Ballard. I saw uh, a couple days ago that Ballard went to the varsity with Jim Behan, and they're talking about what Ballard's role would be in the zone, in the dome, on the hill. I can pretty much guarantee the word starter was never mentioned with the exception of maybe, hey, uh, we might, we're might we going to lose Jesse after this year. Maybe, maybe 
you're the starter when he leaves. Maybe. Well, Ballard was smart. He went to a place he could play, went to a place he could start. But what does that mean for Syracuse now? Because now, their backup center is Peter Carey. And I know Tim agrees with me. I think Tyler does. Peter Carey, the backup center right now, not ready for impact minutes on an ACC team. He's not. And that's okay. Freshman center, underweight, didn't have much interest. Rutgers was his only other Power 5 offer. That's fine. Let him develop. Let him figure it out. But after Jesse Edwards, if and when Jesse Edwards gets hurt again, if and when, or really when, Jesse Edwards gets into foul trouble, who are you going to go to? The good news is Bayheim has a few options. You can go to the portal, a cook, a cook, transferring from UConn. Now, that's a guy that Syracuse was in on pretty much until the end when he was in high school. I thought he was going to go to Syracuse. Rim protector, 6'10", 195, light for his height. He could play 10, 15 minutes for Syracuse. I don't know. He's visiting Georgetown on Wednesday. I don't think Syracuse is going to get him, but they might. I remember, it's it's just a stupid thing. I remember uh, briefly after Syracuse lost a cook, a cook, December 1st, 2018. I remember, it's my birthday, so that's why I remember. They signed John Bullijock, and they're different players. A cook, is a cook, a cook, that is, is better than John Bullijock, but similar names. So we thought from afar, okay, well, maybe it's a wash. It was not. So a cook, a cook, maybe. Frank Kepnong from Oregon is transferring, and we don't know where yet. He is a guy that Syracuse was kind of in on out of high school. I don't know. He hasn't taken an official visit, and really there hasn't been a real link to Syracuse, but it's just another guy that would make sense. And Kepnong and a cook, a cook, similar to Quincy Ballard in one way. They're not going to take over a game. Well, what does that mean? Translation, they're not that good, but they're good enough. They're big enough. They're going to fill their lane, and Syracuse will continue to be able to play basketball comprehensively when Jesse Edwards has to sit for 5, 10, 15 minutes a game for whatever reason. Fatigue, God forbid injury, foul trouble most likely. So Ballard's out, maybe a cook, a cook, maybe kept non. But what if I told you? They don't need anyone. Now, that's crazy to think about because, again, the depth chart is not on Syracuse's side. But hear me out. Number one, depth is not something that Jim Beheim is going to use even if he has it. So let's not forget that. He's going to play seven guys a game. Granted, having a backup center is probably the most important position to back up but hear me out. What's the point of having an Akukakuk, a Frank Kepnong, if they're basically going to be a poor man's Frank Anselm? Now, you're not getting Anselm back. But what's the point? Because Anselm, most of the time when he was on the floor, he was a zero. He gave you enough offensively, just as another body, screen and roll, and anyone could have made the layups, the dunks that he was making. Defensively, sometimes he had a cool block, but mostly missed his rotations. Jim Beheim said that I've never had to ask a player to jump before Frank Anselm. So what is he giving you? 
Malik Brown, freshman, six foot nine, bulky, two twenty, good rebounder. Mike McAllister from SI Syracuse told me before the Judah Mintz commitment that Brown is actually the most physically ready player from that recruiting class. Now again, he's six foot nine, so do you really want him to be your backup five? Well, yeah, maybe. Jimmy Beheim might have been the best center for most of the season outside of Jesse Edwards last year. He's six foot nine, and he's not even a a big per se. He's just six foot nine. Malik Brown is a big who's not that big, if you catch my drift. He plays more like a center than Jimmy Beheim. So play him. Play him for 10 minutes a game. Maybe it's a disaster. But I can speak for a lot of Syracuse fans when I say I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired with the two light, out physicaled centers that we have. The John Bully Jocks of the world, the Frank Anslums of the world, even Barama Sadibe for most of his career, Jesse Edwards until this past season. Getting bullied by guys like Armando Bacon. And sure, he's a great player, but. They're just not strong enough. Brown is strong enough. Is he tall enough? I don't know. Maybe. But Malik Brown is someone that I think actually could fill that role. Even if Syracuse, they have one scholarship left. It would make sense to use it on a big. But if they can't, it might not be the end of the world. By the way, big time partner of the podcast. I use this literally every day. Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because, well... I didn't have that much time, but I wanted to lose weight. I wanted better gut health, more energy, optimized immune system. I hated taking some pills, the vitamins. They just didn't make me feel very good. I wanted something that I could do more naturally. That said, AG1 was the best thing to do. I've been on it for about two weeks now. I love it. It doesn't taste like anything super healthy. It's kind of a mild tropical taste. I actually look forward to eating and having each morning. Now, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and I just couldn't believe it. You read the label and you think, man, I'm getting my health in bulk because when I go to the doctor, there are certain things, well, he wants me to focus on. He wants my nervous system and my, you know, my gut health, all of that stuff to be better. And I feel like I don't need to focus on one or the other. I can just take AG1 and my next checkup is going to go a little bit smoother. My digestion, my energy, the simplicity of it. I just love it. It helps me get out of bed in the morning. When I wake up, I look forward to having my AG1. It helps me get my life going, my morning going. I love AG1. And one of the best things about it, it doesn't cost me much. It's $3 a day for a scoop. Nothing bad, and it's good for you. One gram of sugar, no GMOs, no ridiculous, disgusting chemicals or artificial anything. It still tastes good, though. That's the thing, is that I sacrifice my breakfast bars, my pancakes even, all that unnatural you-know-what for AG1. It's great. It doesn't cost much. And don't just take my word for it. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. So hop on the bandwagon now. I have not regretted my two weeks, and I'm going strong on AG1. Now, Syracuse basketball recruiting is something that we always have to keep tabs on. Quincy Ballard is going to Wichita State, 
and the Orange have to figure something out in the middle of the 2-3 zone behind Jesse Edwards. That said, maybe the biggest question around Syracuse basketball isn't the backup center, but the head coach. And Jim Beheim is 77. Boy, if he's listening to this podcast, he's already turned it off because he hates answering questions about his retirement. But when you're 77, when your best friend Mike Krzyzewski retires, when his friend Roy Williams retires, those questions are going to be asked. And it's only natural, it's only fair. And if he doesn't like it, I'm sorry. But it's true. Now, those questions are going going to be continued to be asked, but louder this season. And the reason is Jay Wright. Hall of Famer, Villanova, national champion, retired. 60 years young. And it's funny because I spent the past few years covering Syracuse and listening to Jim Beheim almost every day. And on media day last year, he said something that stuck with me. He was actually answering questions about his retirement, something that, again, doesn't happen very often. He's a little fed up with it, rightfully so. Is that he said that he's had friends, he has friends, who retired from coaching around when Jay Wright just pulled the trigger. He retired Wednesday night. So he's had friends who retired, low 60s, maybe a little younger, and he says they all regretted it. Is it a line? I don't know. There's no way for us to know. But the first thing I thought of when I saw that Jay Wright retired, I looked up his age, saw he was 60, thought of Jim Beheim and what he said. But good for Jay Wright to retire, pretty much go out on top. I mean, he's not a champion this year, so hard to say that he goes out on top. Tough break with some injury concerns down the stretch in the NCAA tournament for Villanova. But Jay Wright was poised to kind of take over the industry. With Mike Krzyzewski retiring, Wright was the premier coach. It was going to be him and Bayheim as the OG coaches. Calipari, the OG coaches still in the game. But he said, I don't want to. I don't want to go. So Jay Wright retires head coach as head coach and Fordham's Kyle Neptune taking over. What does it mean for Syracuse? There's not a direct impact. I don't know. Maybe you might be able to poach some players out of the portal from Villanova. I just think it's something to think about when a 60-year-old coach retires and you have a 77-year-old coach as your guy for your program. When's he, and, and the thing that is that Jay Wright never announced anything publicly. Now, we don't know what he did behind closed doors, and we don't necessarily know what Jim Beheim has done behind closed doors. I remember last year, late in the season, he said that there was a plan, basically an exit strategy, ironclad plan. So it's not like Beheim knows what he's going to do and he's not telling anyone, or it's not like Beheim doesn't know what he's going to do at all. There is a plan. There is a strategy. But I think there is something to the way Mike Krzyzewski did it. And not because we all want to see Krzyzewski in his retirement tour. It was cool. But Beheim should think about doing what Krzyzewski did. Not to get the gifts from every ACC school or whatever. But he should do that to let the world know. To let the country know. So that they can, we can, 
be prepared and realign our perception of Syracuse basketball. Moreover, John Shire, obvious choice. Now, I will say, it's easier to do what Krzyzewski did when you have a guy like John Shire as your associate head coach that everyone knows is going to be the coach. It's easier to lay out that plan. Hubert Davis, North Carolina, taking over for Roy Williams, made sense. Kyle Neptune from Fordham makes sense because he's done a great job with the Rams, but it wasn't alongside Jay Wright all of last season. He's not a visible name for the Villanova fans. Syracuse, do they have that? Kinda. I don't know. I don't think anyone is getting that amped for Adrian Autry or Jerry McNamara. So Beheim might not be as equipped to handle it as well as Krzyzewski did, but I know he's equipped to handle it better than Jay Wright did. He's, he can retire. He can do whatever he wants. It's his career. It's his life. 60 years old, has, his, has a big chunk of his life ahead of him, and he's a Hall of Famer, and he's national champion, and he's accomplished pretty much everything there is to accomplish in college basketball. He has nothing else to prove. Good for him. Neither does Beheim. So it's only a matter of time. How long? I don't know. But he's 77 and Jay Wright is 60 and Jay Wright is done. So that said, Beheim done. Coming up, you would think. But he's 77. Who knows? By the way, I got to tell you about this. So Locked On podcast, your team every day. I would say that my number one thing outside of rooting for my team, and of course Syracuse is a team that I grew up watching and certainly have covered for the past four years now. But after that, it's gambling. And it's not, I keep on telling my friends, it's not gambling, it's investing, if you know what you're talking about. And if you know what you're talking about, betonline.net, that's your number one source for all betting stats and sports information. That's how you get to know what you're talking about. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all sporting and wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or just use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay. So we have one more thing to get to here on the first episode of the second iteration of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. And we didn't really talk about football yet. That's fine. Football falls under this umbrella. Just like basketball, just like field hockey, volleyball, lacrosse, anything. It's NIL. NIL is, depending on the way you want to look at it, it's the sun over all college sports or it's the dark cloud overall college sports, but regardless of how you define it, it's there. And if you ignore it, you lose. And that's what I'm concerned about right now for Syracuse. Now, the athletic director, John Wildhack, knows about NIL. He's, he's not ignoring it per se. But for all intents and purposes, yeah, Syracuse is kind of ignoring it. Now, what do I mean? Well, Syracuse is one of it seems like very few schools to have an NIL collective. What is an NIL collective? Glad you asked. Well, 
It's a little shady. It, it, I'm going to explain it. It's kind of sound shady. Here's what it is. Basically, a bunch of schools like Auburn has one, Clemson has one, Florida State has two. Schools will band together a group of alums, of boosters, to make this company. It's called a collective. And certain collectives have different strategies and have different objectives. But all of them have the intention of creating opportunities, name, image, and likeness for athletes that go to the university of their choice. Okay, so, okay, Clemson has one. It's called Tiger Impact. Stated mission is to, quote, provide student-athletes with the opportunity to further develop themselves as part of their education while at Clemson and serve others by providing much-needed support to community and charities. Okay. Sounds good. Philanthropic, never hurt anyone. And it's not hurting anyone. But let's get real. These NIL collectives are loopholes to paying players. That's what it is. And you give some charity, you do some events, you take some pictures, you kiss some babies, you shake some hands, and it's a nonprofit or whatever, however you want to define it. Some of these are actually making money for the boosters, though, so there's that too. But the main goal is to pay the players for the players to profit. The better the collective, the better the company, the more attractive the school and program for the players. Now, Syracuse doesn't have one, and that bothers me. Morally, maybe it's good. Because these are a little shady. It seems a little shady. Now, it's totally legal. Loophole, a little shady. Competitively, bad idea. Shame on you for not having an NIL collective. Auburn has one, like I said. Clemson has. Florida International has one. Florida State has two. Georgia Tech has one. Grambling State has one. Indiana has two. Kansas State has two. Ohio State has two. Penn State has three. You get the point. A lot of schools that you would think that Syracuse is either directly competing with in the ACC or competing with in terms of strata, in terms of pedigree. Like Kansas State is... I don't think it's crazy to call them the pseudo-Syracuse of the Big 12. Why should Kansas State have two and Syracuse have none? If, if it's going to help you, then why not? What's stopping you? And again, Syracuse isn't ignoring NIL. John Wildhack, if you asked him, hey, what are you doing with NIL? He would tell you, well, we've got all these advisors in the athletic department and we even have a class that you can take if you're a student athlete and learn about NIL. That's great. Buddy Beheim took it. But what good is NIL going to do in Syracuse if your last name isn't Beheim? That is the perception around Syracuse. And I think that's a major miss. I think that Syracuse, the city, is perfect for NIL. Sounds crazy, I know. Because you would think the bigger the city, the better the NIL opportunities. Take LA. Who wouldn't want to go play for USC? You're in LA. It's Hollywood, La La Land, all these NIL opportunities, right? I don't know. You're a business. Would you rather pay 
LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Think of all the star power in the big cities. Who's the star of Syracuse? Joe Girard? I don't know. Deuce Chestnut? Garrett Schrader just because he plays quarterback? Sean Tucker, certainly, but... Think of the difference there. Syracuse is the professional sports team in town. So go to Syracuse. If you're trying to make money, go to Syracuse. NIL opportunities up the wazoo. You are the guy. If you are the guy on your team at Syracuse, you are the guy in the city. No competing with pros. Think of a school like UCLA or USC. That's not something you have to worry about. But... While I think Syracuse, John Wildhack, they have this gift that they're sitting on, they're not capitalizing in every way that they can. NIL Collective. What's stopping you? Florida has two. Georgia has one. Houston has. Illinois. Kansas. Kentucky. Maryland. Memphis. Miami. Not Syracuse. Why? No reason. No NIL collective means that you're basically giving other teams a head start for recruits that you are after as well. Is that a problem? Yes. Big time. Big time. So we talked a little bit about Syracuse basketball recruiting. We talked about Syracuse basketball and their future at the head coach spot with Jay Wright's retirement. And then... NIL is always something to look out for. And the NIL collective being absent from Syracuse Athletics, that's something to look out for as well. Thanks for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every day. Now tomorrow, Syracuse football recruiting may have finally turned a corner. And they didn't land anyone recently, but they might have figured out something. A little aha moment for SU football. Light bulb moment for Dino Babers, and boy, do they need it. That and more on your first listen every day, Locked On Syracuse. Now, make your second listen, Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts Thanks for listening, everyone. We're going to be on YouTube soon, but we are here every day wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Brankline signing off. See you tomorrow, guys.